Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Svedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hey everybody, this is Marnie Sudberg and welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. Today we're going to be talking about leadership and how not to be a fix-it box leader, why that's deadly and what you can do about it now. Our guest today is Mary Com, and during the next hour you are going to discover the number one key to solving your communication issues with your team, how to see past resistance or noncompliance, why telling people what to do or trying to fix them will never work and what you can do instead, a process that will help you unearth the core issues and underlying beliefs so you can progress towards sharing options without the user resistance, how to set the stage for sorting through any available options as partners instead of enemies, ways to determine a true commitment level before it's too late, and the secret sauce to moving the conversation from ideas to implementation. Our guest today, Mary Tom, is an author, speaker, and professionally trained life coach with a focus on relationship coaching, offering a safe place for Christian leaders to confidently discuss relationship issues. And her website is marycom.com, and you spell com, the last name, C-O-M-M, marycom.com. And at this time, I'd like to welcome you, Mary. Thank you, Marnie. I'm so glad to be here. And I'm excited to have you. This is such a great topic because I feel like a lot of leaders burn out for the very reason that they have been trying to do it all, fix it all, and make it all very wonderful. And uh, it, it is really too much for a leader to do, and it, it doesn't really work out. So, like, as far as you personally, this training, Fix the Fox Leadership, does this come from firsthand experience, or have you helped a lot of leaders who used to be Fix the Foxers, or how did you come upon this kind of information? <laughs> well, I have lived this. I have been a leader. I've been a, a Christian ministry leader for many years, and I also have worked in the secular world as um, I was a, a vice president for a medium-sized uh, new media company a few years ago. And so I learned a lot just by working it out, uh, hammering it out day by day. And uh, I've done a lot of reading and, and studying on leadership as well. So it all kind of goes hand in hand, and I'm excited to share what I've learned today. Well, that's great. Well, let's start with the number one key to solving your communication issues with your team because actually, Mary, if you can give us the number one key here and this solves our communication issues, then I think you're going to go down in history. (laughs) She's the most amazing woman communicator ever. (laughs) I think ever since the Tower of Babel, we've been struggling with this one. (laughs) But, you know, there there truly are things that can make a tremendous difference and that's what you're here to share with us. So what have you found is is a critical key? Well, first I'll say no pressure. <laughs> Thanks a lot for that. Yeah, right, no pressure. Uh, no second, pressure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the, the number one key is really learning to listen well. It's learning to uh, hear what's not being said and to understand what is really lying behind the words that are being said. 
and listening in that way, you know, listening to hear their heart, it goes past mm-hmm. just the ears. It's all the way to your heart. Yeah. I mean, that's kind yeah. of the position. It's a position shift as well as an action shift. Absolutely. And, you know, what I do on a regular basis is I pray for God to give me his ears to hear and his eyes to see others and his um, heart, you know, that makes me willing to stand up and li- and really listen and obey what he tells me in that moment. So as much as anything, he's the key to this. Oh, I love that. I was thinking um, I recently adopted kind of a different position. I have a couple people in my life that are kind of combative, and, um, mm-hmm. and, and so I have this new position where I listen, but I listen as if I'm listening to them talk to God. <laughs> and it's amazing. It's amazing <laughs> how that shifts, how that allows me to hear their heart. Okay, so mm. if I'm not taking it personally, you know, you know, you kind right. of always take everything personally, you know, it's all about me, but it really isn't. And so just taking that step back and letting them mm-hmm. talk, but listening as if I'm sitting with God, listening to them talk to him, and mm-hmm. then what, God, what do you want me to say? You know, and, and that extra awareness that this is bigger than just me and this other person that there right. are, there are right. things here, you know, that as members of this same team, we have to get this, we have to get this figured out. And uh, how, how am I going to be in a position to be able to hear your heart? Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that, that we are all, all on the same team. I mean, even on this planet, you know, if you want to take it to that degree, we're all on the same team and we need to act like we're on the same team and not, you know, pit people against us as enemies. And I think, too, what you're talking about there is a form of detachment. And if we can detach from that, you know, feeling like it's all personal toward us, then there really is, uh, that's very empowering and and enabling us to actually hear what's being said. So So I'm going to have to try that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I can think of a couple (laughs) reasons why um, we listen but don't hear, and one of them is just distractions. It's just very difficult Mm -hmm. to actually pause long enough to truly listen to a person's heart. Well, especially in this day and age where we're distracted by literally everything, you know, within an arm's reach, including our cell phones and our computers, you know. So uh, the distractions are a big part of it, definitely. Yeah. And then I know just for me personally, I suppose the second the second, second biggest, which is why this other, this other practice is being helpful to me, the second biggest is that I hear it from my own, um, I hear it from my own woundedness. I hear... I hear what you're saying, but it's being filtered through my history and my mm-hmm. know, my way of processing it instead of how you meant it. <laughs> so it yeah, and, and that's, to actually hear it. That is one of the hardest things. I mean, I say all the time I tell people we, we tend to operate out of our woundedness, you know, and we hear others out of our woundedness. And if we would just not be so doggone sensitive in that area, you know, because most of the time people don't mean things the way they come across right. to us because we're filtering it through our woundedness. Yeah, and because and it, you know, it was funny when you were when you were saying that. I was thinking, you know, people people usually hear it through their woundedness, and you know, you just can't really do anything about that woundedness. You you got it. <laughs> it's going to be with you until you, you know. Eventually, 
hopefully working it through with God, you you receive healing in all areas of your life, and those raw open wounds that were there before become scars of memories of God's healing. Mm -hmm. You know, but at the same time, when you're wounded, you are wounded, and you just can't turn that off. And so, you know, once again, this this practice of just running to Jesus and and letting Him help you filter what you're hearing is so is so helpful. Um, the next, the next thing we wanted to talk about was how to see past resistance or non-compliance. And I tell you, Mary, when we first bought our restaurant, and this is now 13 years ago, when we first bought our restaurant, I really believed that the only reason that people were not doing what I asked them to do was because they were defiant, and that was the <laughs> only reason. <laughs> and it was well, really helpful to me to learn. <laughs> That it wasn't just that, that there actually could be multiple reasons why they weren't doing what I was asking. So let's talk about this from a leader's perspective. When you're facing sure. resistance and noncompliance, it isn't always just because people want to be hateful. Well, and that's the thing. We need to not assume or presume that others, just because they're not doing things our way, that they're they're being openly defiant. That's usually not the case. And you will right. run across those people that no matter what, they're going to buck the system. But 99% of the time, I think people are just doing things the way they feel are best to do. And you're telling them what to do kind of goes against that grain. So one of the things that, um, one of the reasons that people are noncompliant is because it's just too difficult. You've asked them to do something and their heart is to do it. But when they go to do it or go to do it repeatedly, it's just plain too hard. In which case, mm-hmm. the person will typically, you know, find a way to succeed close to what you ask them to do, or as close as they can get it. Uh, so that's, you know, that's one time when, as a leader, you know, if you come in and you uh, react negatively to their best effort mm-hmm. in that situation, you can really, you can really crush their spirit. Absolutely. Well, and that's where coming in and asking questions instead of jumping to, um, you know, calling them out, you know what I'm saying? If we can ask questions, how do you think that went? (laughs) You know, I mean, my daughter has worked in, um, you know, restaurant situations and things like that, and they're very high-stress situations. And so many times she would come in the door and she'd say, if they would just ask me, I could tell them, a different perspective, you know, speaking about the management. But when Mm -hmm. leadership does not take the time to investigate why did this go wrong, then we as leaders are missing the boat and we're putting too much pressure on our team. And as a leader, you are not always going to be able to just go directly toward that kind of vulnerability with your team. I had a review recently with one of my uh, leaders, and um, we were. And I said, I said, okay, I just have to ask you straight out. When I come in and you do that look, where it's like, oh no, she's here. <laughs> I said, is there anything that I'm ever going to be able to do to win your confidence to know that I'm not coming in to criticize you? And she said, honestly, no. It's not about you. It's about my history. It's just about how I was raised, and the authoritative person was always scary. And so even though even though you're you're just not scary, she said, 
I'm afraid I am probably going to respond that way every time. So as a leader, you just have to get past taking those kind of responses right. personally and just say, no, I really just want to hear your heart. Now that, you're, now that you're, you're, your blood pressure is back down again and you know I'm not here to eat you, right. you know, <laughs> can you tell me, can you tell me what just happened? <laughs> you know, so I think, it's, I think it's really important for us to get past our own woundedness mm-hmm. and to recognize that our staff, each person on your team, every person in your ministry, whatever, every person in your audience, whatever it is, they all come to you with woundedness. And your job is to get past that and to see right. how you can help them succeed at the project or the work that needs to be done. Well, and that's where asking God to give you his eyes to see that person can really transform the way that you interact with them. It, it can change how you see them, and it can change the way that you speak to them. And while they still have responsibility for managing their woundedness, it does begin to build trust in a way that it may not completely mitigate the woundedness, but it it will enhance your relationship in a way that there will be more trust there. Mm, I love that. One of the things I say to my mentors or good friends who who are so helpful to me, no matter how wounded I am toward them, I always say that you are like Jesus to me. You are Jesus to Mm -hmm. me. You are modeling Jesus to me. And that's yeah. my heart, Mary, as a leader. I want to model. I want Jesus to just flow through me. I want them to see how Jesus reacts to them mm-hmm. in their woundedness when they're wounded toward exactly. me. I don't want to react how Marnie would react when they're wounded toward me because I know how we, <laughs> I, I put, you know, you, uh, an attacked animal, you know, the claws go up and <laughs> it's not nice. So we, you know, we really need Jesus to help us to, yeah. um, to love when someone's not being lovely, even when we see their mm-hmm. when we see their response as resistant or noncompliant, that we would take the time to um, to figure out what they're doing and why they did it, and usually we're going to find they had a really good reason. Well, this right. is Marnie Swedberg. We are visiting today with Mary Calm, and her last name is spelled C-O-M-M. So her website, this is awesome, marycom.com. But it's C-O-M-M, and you can check her out over there. And then we're going to come right back and talk about why telling people what to do or trying to fix them will never work. <laughs> what you can do instead, don't go away. Do you have a habit you can't seem to break? Or maybe you have a big project that you just can't get yourself to do. What you need is a 21-day win. 21-day wins include a workbook, a weekly group coaching session with Marnie, plus a private Facebook accountability group. You'll get clear instructions, mastery training, and practical support to help you reach your desired goal in just 21 days. Previous participants have quit smoking, completed manuscripts, and so much more. To join the next 21-day win with Marnie, visit www.21daywins.com. Break a habit or complete a project in just 21 days. Money back guaranteed. Check it out now at www.21daywins.com. Womenspeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit Womenspeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. 
find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Fredberg visiting today with our guest, Mary Com, about Fix-It Fox leadership, why it's deadly, and what you can do about it now. We're going to take a little turn here and talk about why telling people what to do or trying to fix them will never work and what you can do instead. So, Mary, honestly, as bosses, sometimes, you know, as leaders, sometimes it's just nice to tell people what to do and have them do it, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> you, know, you know, in a perfect leadership scenario, we would say jump and they would say, oh, how high. So, so since that's just usually not going to work for us, what do we have to do? <laughs> right. Well, it works very well with the armed forces. <laughs> yeah, they are taught to, to take those orders and to run with it, to not question and and to do exactly what they're told to do. But like you said, most of the time in the the rest of the world, that does not cut it. Yeah, especially I think with our our younger generation, it doesn't work mm. at all with them. <laughs> right. They are simply not uh, yes men in any way, shape, or form. Um, they are going to, and it's really kind of. It's a change for people who are a little older, who are used to people taking direction and just doing it the way Mm -hmm. you say. But actually, Mm -hmm. it's really refreshing to see these kids use their brains. And and they're really coming up with great solutions uh, Mm -hmm. because they are using their brains, the brains God gave them. And so it's a good thing. So maybe just give us a couple a couple tips and strategies for what to do when we want to tell people what to do or what how to fix you know that we want to fix them and they're not getting fixed. Well, I think you hit one of those points just then. You were talking about how they're coming up with great ideas. Whenever we just tell someone how to do something, what to do and how to do it, that's coming from our perspective. And, you know, if you're the leader of a team or a manager of a department or whatever it is, you have hired those people not just for their skin and bones and they're going to go and do what you want them to do, but hopefully you've hired them because of their gifts and their talents and their personality and who God's made them so that they can can contribute to the end goal and not just right. be that soldier that goes and does it. So by asking them, by inviting them into the conversation, making it a conversation instead of just a directive, then you can actually learn a lot more. You can discover more fascinating ways of solving issues that maybe you never would have thought of if you hadn't. Yeah. Um, our our teams at the restaurant, back to the restaurant again, our teams at the restaurant came up with a, uh, a meal that they like to eat. And they said, they said one day, they said, um, can we just show you, can we just show you this? Because we're all eating it now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they showed me how they made this particular dish that wasn't on the menu. And they were all eating it, and I said, "Really, you guys all love it?" And they're like, "Yeah, we've been we've been experimenting with this, and we love it, and everybody's eating it now." So actually, we just we are introducing next week. We are introducing it as a key new uh, menu item, and a lot of times mm-hmm. that's where your best ideas come from. Are your staff kind of experimenting, and your your ministry team experimenting with what mm-hmm. you've been doing? Uh, like they just use ingredients we already had put them together right. in a different way and yum, you know, something really different and new. So so I love that, you know, making it our, our vision, our ideas, instead of just my, mm-hmm. the leader's ideas. Yeah, great. Well, Anything well, else? And what that, what that does is it gives them buy-in. It makes them a part of the, the organization or the corporation 
and it makes them more excited about their jobs. And if your employees or your team are more excited and they know that you respect them, that you value them, that you um, enjoy hearing their ideas, then that's going to make them excited to do what they do and to do it to the best of their ability. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked before about, you know, listening well, and this is just critical here too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And what I was going to say too, you know, there are three kinds of listening, three types, and most people use the first one. The first one is informal listening, which is just everyday listening where you're listening for facts or information, but you're not really, it's passive. Uh, the other two are active listening and intuitive listening. With active listening, you're more engaged, you're maybe making comments or asking questions. But intuitive listening is the most powerful listening for leaders because that's where we have a high level of concentration and awareness. We're listening for inconsistencies and attitudes and emotions and values and beliefs and dreams, frustrations and all those things that um, – paints the palette um, a myriad of colors instead of just the black and white of, you know, what it looks like on the outside. So that mm-hmm. listening, that intuitive listening is vital for us as leaders. Do you have um, any, like, hacks like, <laughs> that would help us to be able to, like, really move from, for example, possibly active listening? Okay, so I'm engaged. I'm asking questions. Now, how do I move from that to this higher awareness, to this intuitive level. Well, and that's, you've just done it right there. You're interested. You're, you have the buy-in. Mm-hmm. It's not just, you're not just humoring me. You're really invested. There you go. That's right. And that's what it takes, so is being a, fully sure. invested. That's and, you know, here's great, the thing. easy test. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing. I mean, how often does it work when we tell people what to do? I mean, especially in a team organization or in a restaurant where it is a team and we're all working together to the, you know, the goal of making this restaurant work. So whenever you just tell people what to do, they have their own ideas. They have their own experiences. They have their own ways of processing information. And uh, most people don't like to be told, do it this way, because, you know, they feel like their experience and their input is important as well. So that's where not just telling but asking those powerful questions comes into play and it completely changes the dynamics. And I think it's really important here to bring out the reality that as a leader you are going to have to uh, say these are the rules, these are the guidelines, this is how we do this. I mean, you'll burn your building down if you don't have them shut the oven off at night or whatever. I mean, there's just right. things that are, right. you do have to do. But then there are all these areas in which there's really flexibility for you to say, you know, let's bring some options, and that's kind of what we're talking about. How about when we when we do the try to fix them part of things? You know, what if what do you do with the person on your let's say ministry team who just really dominates? You know, I mean, you've got you've got a problem going on because you can't have a meeting because this person just takes mm-hmm. over and talks the whole time, and you can't ever get past it. You know, what do you do when you have someone who's really, um, they are broken in a way that's making it difficult for you to do business or do ministry? Well, sometimes it's there are just situations where you need to call that person aside, pull them aside, and have that discussion with them. 
And a lot of times that dominant person, that overwhelmingly dominant person like that that just takes charge, that's usually or often the only thing that's going to work with them is for you merely to say, um, this isn't working, and do you know why this isn't working? <laughs> you know, and begin to ask those questions from that perspective. But they need to be brought face-to-face with the consequences of what their domination is doing to the team and to the team dynamics. Does that make and sense? The question, the question part is really important, isn't it, that we, yeah. we ask questions that allow them to come to a conclusion. <laughs> so we're not telling them everything. You're not just dumping it on them. But you're Right, you're because because people don't necessarily Right, because people don't necessarily just take your word for it. They yeah. they need, you know, what we only have. I mean, I as one person have my perceptive my perspective and my perception. But when you're on a team like that, uh, you have a number of perceptions that are going on at the same time. And everyone has something to contribute. And it, that having that different perspective can be the catalyst for finding the solutions to the problems that you're facing. And just telling someone how to fix it often just causes resistance in that person. They're just going to resist you instead of going along with what you want them to do. But when you draw them into the conversation, you ask them those discovery questions, then it begins to change the dynamics. And they, they realize, hey, I'm a part of this conversation, and that my leader is really listening to me. But beyond that, it helps them to think through in a way that maybe they wouldn't have thought through if they hadn't been faced with those questions. And in what, in what way does manipulation come into play here? Where do we have to watch for that? Well, manipulation, I mean, especially for us as women, we seem to be gifted, <laughs> in the area of manipulation. <laughs> and that's where, you know, manipulation is getting you to do what I want you to do, whether you want to do it or not, you know, and whether you realize I'm manipulating you or not. But that is always counterproductive, and it's not God's way. He never manipulates. You know, he puts it out there. These are your choices. These are the opportunities. This is the way the situation is. Now you have a choice in how you respond to that. But um, whenever we manipulate, we're just we're we're actually being counterproductive in what our end goals are. So we have to take our perspective out of it, our motives out of it, not our perspective, but our motives out of the picture, and try as much as we can to be an objective observer. And that's what you were saying earlier, at the very beginning of our discussion, was that mm-hmm. detachment, you know, and and seeing it as um, a discussion between them and God. That was your way of detaching, and that's in a great way what we need to do in order to not manipulate. Mm, yeah, it's really important. And it, it really is harder, I believe, for women to do that, to compartmentalize than it is for men. Men are mm-hmm. kind of built with more of a compartmentalized brain already. Women, everything is interconnected, and it's very difficult for us to yes. actually disentangle long enough to have a little distance from whatever issues going on there, but it is uh-huh. possible we can do it, um, and and it is really helpful when we do choose to do it. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg visiting today with Mary Com, C O M M, Mary Com of MaryCom dot com. We're going to come back and talk about a process that will help you unearth the core issues and underlying beliefs, so you can progress towards sharing options without the usual resistance. We'll be right back. Christian Women's Event. 
At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian women's events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Do you lead a women's Bible study or know someone who does? Check out BibleStudyExpo.com. That's www.BibleStudyExpo.com. Here you'll meet the authors of the most recently released Bible study books for women. You'll meet Liz Curtis Higgs, Lisa DeVere, Pam Farrell, Elisa Morgan, and dozens of other Bible study book authors. Each author is given 15 minutes to share the story behind her book, her ideal audience, and a little bit about the study's format so you can decide which Bible studies you want to introduce next. It's all available to you free and online at www.biblestudyexpo.com. That's www.biblestudyexpo.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and you are at Marnie's Friends, uh, which is aired live on Blog Talk Radio every Wednesday afternoon, and then also heard around the net on uh, syndicate stations as well as you can catch it on uh, iTunes and Stitcher, and also if you want to, you can put a player box on your own uh, website, and you can find those around the web too. You can check that all out at blogtalkradio.com or at marniesfriends.com. This is uh, our training today is about leadership, fix it fuck leadership, and why it's deadly and what you can do about it now. Our guest is Mary Com, C O M M, Mary Com of MaryCom.com. Mary, let's talk about the process that we can use to unearth the core issues because typically, this almost is true of any relationship in life. Um, what you see is just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much under right. everything, <laughs> no matter what it is. Yeah. If, if you just try to deal with the surface issue, it may get you a little bit of progress for a short period of time, but it's certainly not going to solve the problem. So what what is something that we can do to help that? Well, this is where it gets difficult. Okay, there's no easy answer to this. Uh, basically what you have is a two-step process. The first step is the hard step, and that is really knowing your team. And by that, I mean knowing what their core values are uh, because our core values are integral to who we are and how we function. Uh, Second thing is learning styles, you know, discovering what people's learning styles and communication styles are. Because that, again, is very important to how we build relationships. And teamwork is about relationship, right? A third thing is kind of getting a handle on their personality type. And you don't have to be a psychologist to do that. There are some very easy tests online that your staff, your team can take that gives them better insights into themselves. And it gives you better insights into how they operate best 
and under what circumstances they operate best. And then the other thing is, you know, if you're a Christian organization or you're a Christian team leader, is knowing what their spiritual gifts are. As Christians, I think too often we ignore this very important and vital part of who we are, and that's our gifting and talents from God. So that's the part that can be in depth and take time and investment. But, you know, we have a a treasure trove of gifts and talents and abilities, experiences in our team members. And if we don't know these things about them, then we're not even scratching the surface. Yeah, I I love this. And it it is the hardest thing for a leader to do because typically, if you just think about um, a military commander, okay, that person has a strong leadership gift inside of them. They were created to bark out orders under stress um, to save the lives of other people. I mean, that's well, that's how how strong their leadership drive is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of leaders, even not in the military, a lot of leaders have that strong of a drive to tell people what to do. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. it's like this wonderful, beautiful God-given gift, so that so that the world can function. But at the same time, if we use this like on the battlefield, but in a ministry setting or in a business setting, it's not going to work because we don't have that level of stress. We don't have that level of responsibility at that moment, and people will not respond in the same way. And we do have to check our hearts. And, you know, going back to the listening, how do we get to the intuitive listening is by, by truly caring, by truly caring about the people. Right. And that's, that's right. really what it comes down to. That's what makes a great leader is the person who is um is the humble leader, is the servant leader <laughs> who goes and yes. I, I really care about the development of your character. I care right. that you have an opportunity to really use your God given gifts and skills and talents here with us. Um so yeah, it's a I mean it's kind of a daunting list, you know, figure out their core values, their learning styles, their communication styles, their personality types and their spiritual gifts. Your these leaders are listening <laughs> saying, Okay, but when do I get my work done, you know? <laughs> But you know, even though it even though it's a lot of time, it sounds daunting. I mean, that is the truth. You have to be willing to invest time. But this is Mm -hmm. really the time investment is mostly on them. They are the ones that uh, point out what their uh, what I usually look for is their top five core values. And I have a list of like eighty to one hundred core values. And I say, look at the list, take it home, think about it, and pick out your five top core values. And that tells me a lot about them. For example, my top five are Christ-centered, integrity, authenticity, honesty, and loyalty. And if you look at each one of those, you take them one by one, that tells you a lot about who I am, what, how I respond to different things, and what I look for in other people. So, I mean, and the, the time investment really is on the person who is determining what their core values is, and they just come back and report to you. But it does take time for the leader to, you know, know what it is I need to look for and ask for from my staff. The same is true with the learning style and the personality type and the spiritual gifts. The the responsibility is on the team member or the employee to take those assessments and to report back to you. But you have to, as a leader, <clears throat> impress upon the importance of why you need those things and then be willing to hear what they have to report back to you and process that. 
That is so fantastic. I, I love that. And as you're talking, I've just come up with the party idea I was looking for. I am going to have... <laughs> I am going to have a party with my team where we're going to do personality type tests at the party. Mm -hmm. But even before Mm -hmm. they come, their assignment is going to be to bring the kind of food that best represents who they are. Wouldn't that be fun? I think that would be a That would be fun. (laughs) And then they can explain (laughs) to us why they picked that food and we're all going to know each other better. You know, as you're talking, I was thinking about how, so, you know, you give the core values test to somebody they take at home. And they're looking at it to find their own five core values out of this 80 or 100. And what's actually happening subconsciously is their brain is saying, oh, all of these other values also are valuable. And just because my coworker or my boss or whoever doesn't have my same five, I have Mm -hmm. to recognize that they have their own. You know, and so and I, I think that's the best with the personality uh, stuff too. I just love that because it really makes us aware of the reality that it's not wrong; it's just different. <laughs> and it's really <laughs> exactly. important in a, in a team setting to to get that through your head. Yeah, the media company that I worked for a few years ago. One of the things we had a, a an expert come in that was an expert in DISC. You know, the DISC personality profile. Yep. And once we all took our personality assessment, we put a sign on our door (laughs) that said, I'm a C or I'm a D (laughs) or whatever. And then the main characteristic that, and that way, you know, anytime anyone came into our door, they knew how best to communicate to us. You know, there were some people, the Ds, just the facts, ma'am. That's all I need is just the facts, (laughs) you know, for a D. A C or an S, they're going to want to hear, you know, all the different details. And, you know, so it really is it's it. a fun way to learn how to communicate love with it. each other and to improve our communication. I love that. That is so much fun. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you were talking about two steps. So we got the first step down, know your team. What's the second step? It's learning to ask powerful questions. And powerful questions are short questions that, the shorter the better, that get that person to think about what it is you're facing, whether it's an obstacle or a goal or a team-building exercise or an assignment that they've been given, a job that they've been given, whatever it is. It's asking powerful questions to help them get as much um, assessment as they can to really get a clear picture of what's going on. Hmm. So do you have some examples that you could just give us to help us? Sure, sure. So uh, one of my favorite sets of questions is uh, the discovery question. Like if you're in a team meeting and uh, you have something that you want to accomplish, the first question is where are we? Three words, where are we? Hmm. Where do we want to go? What obstacles are going to keep us from getting there? What possible solutions can we come up with? That's your brainstorming. Which of those would be most effective? And do we have research or data to support the effectiveness of those solutions? It's really getting into the nitty-gritty of exactly what you're talking about. There's no rabbit trailing there. There's no, you know, long, drawn-out questions. They're short. They're to the point, and they get 
people thinking and talking. Uh, another one is, do you have any concerns about any of those solutions? If so, what can we do to mitigate those concerns? Because what you're trying to do is figure out where do we want to go, how are we going to get there, what's worked in the past, what hasn't worked in the past, and how are we going to accomplish what we want to accomplish. And all of those questions uh, contribute to buy-in of the individual. Yeah, right, 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 which is just critical to team success. You can't have it without buy-in. So how do you actually set the stage, like, so that people are willing to uh, verbalize their ideas, so people are willing to say, I, you know, I love that idea, but I've got this issue. How do you set the stage so people will actually, you know, share well, the first part, um, you have to have a trusting and a safe relationship or a safe environment. If they feel like their ideas or their responses are going to be laughed at or um, made fun of or, you know, joked about, then they're not going to feel safe to share. So first of all, you have to have a safe environment. And then you have to find common ground. And I always say make sure it's solid and not muddy <laughs> because... Because we want to be on solid ground with each other. And what that means is um, everyone is bought in, has bought in to the goals that have been set forth. And that takes 100% commitment from everyone. So that's making sure that it's not muddy. And, you know, you, you talked about this earlier about humility and sincerity. Those are the two of the most important leadership qualities that we have is responding and interacting with our team with humility and with uh, sincerity. I mean, Jesus was a servant leader. He did not change his agenda for anyone, but he met everyone where they were, and he ministered to them along the way. So that's the kind of servant leaders that we need to be. We need to follow his example. Mm, I love that. Yeah, and and just because you are... Um, asking for people for their input and stuff, like you said, Jesus never changed his position, but he right. did make himself available to people mm-hmm. of all different levels of society, all different backgrounds. He still does to this day. Um, everybody can come to Jesus and feel like, first of all, that he understands them, that he loves them, and that he has the wonderful mm-hmm. time for their life. And as a leader, that's that's just what we're doing, too. This is Marnie Spudberger talking today with Mary Com of MaryCom.com. That's C-O-M-M.com. And we're going to come back and talk about how to determine the true commitment level of your team before it's too late, as well as the secret sauce to moving the conversation from ideas to implementation. So we'll be right back. Do you have a book in you? Do you know what to do? Check out the author training program at womenspeakers.com. You'll meet editors, publishers, agents, and publicists whose instruction will take you from thinking to action and from manuscripts to book ASAP. The training also includes the eversion of the how-to guide, Idea to Amazon, in 14 days. Don't wait any longer. Get that book out of your head and into the hands of the readers who need it now. Learn how in the author training section at www.com. Womenspeakers.com. Money troubles got you down? Visit www.godlywealth.com to discover the fastest way to financial peace. 
You'll gain perspective, biblical training, and clear direction to help you move from terrified to triumphant. It's all free and available to you online at www.godlywealth.com. Not only will you learn a balanced, godly perspective about money, but you'll also enjoy scripture set to music, a wealth roster worksheet, and much more, all free and online at www.godlywealth.com. That's www.godlywealth.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Cedric, and you're joining us today for leadership training with our guest, Mary Calm. And we're talking about, um, you know, working with your team to come up with good ideas on how to go forward and reach your goals as a team. And one of the things we need to talk about next, Mary, is how to determine the commitment level before it's too late. <laughs> I'll tell you a little story here. Um, we we were we had bought the restaurant in 2002, and then in 2005 we were considering buying a retail store. And our children were in their teens, and then our youngest was 11, I think, at the time. And so we wanted to get a feel for where the kids were at with this. So buying a business is a big, uh, big undertaking, <laughs> and buying a second business would be uh, even bigger. And so. Um, we just all sat around the table and we all talked about it and we talked about it a few times before and talked about it again and then my husband said, well, we're going to do a fist to five. And what that is is you, you all put your hand under the table, your right hand or whatever, and uh, if mm-hmm. you come up with a five, uh, that's saying I am all in. I think this is the best idea I've ever heard. I'm excited to get going on it. I'm 100% in. If you come up with a fist, that means I'm all out. If you do this, I quit. I am just done. I hate this idea. Awful, lousy, bad. Nothing good about it. And then you've got one, you know, one finger, two fingers like that, up to up to four fingers in the mm-hmm. middle there. And it was cute because we all came up with something between three and five. You know, we didn't have any fists and we didn't have any low ones, but it was cute. Later, my 11 year old later, he said. He said, remember that fist to five thing? He said, he said, that was one of the worst decisions I ever made. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes you can, sometimes you can mm-hmm. be in in the moment and later on when you see the work of it mm-hmm. and everything, you go, oh, why did I ever say I would do this? <laughs> so how do you, how do you, what's kind of a good litmus test before you get going down a road and realize, oh, my team really isn't with me? They, they may be what? nodded, but they weren't with me. Yeah, I mean, your husband, I have to say, is incredibly wise because what he did is basically what I do. And it's asking the question on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being low and 10 being high, what is your level of commitment to this plan? It's straightforward, and it gives them parameters. And um, by their answers, as with your children, you can determine their buy-in. So, you know, I always say between one and five, okay, you got to start over from square one because you don't have buy-in here. If they're between six and eight, you can ask another question. What do we need to do to, uh, to adjust in order to move your commitment to a nine or ten? So if they're not completely bought in, you can ask them, what do, what do we need to change to get you to buy-in here? And then if they're a nine, you can say, what can we do to move you to a ten? Of course, I'm I'm always pretty good with a nine. <laughs> you know, I say if they're at a nine, they're pretty pretty bought in. But you know, you also pointed out that I think you need to assess this as you go, because things do change, and never be afraid to roll back or change your direction or even your end goal if you need to, if it's not working out. There's no harm in that. 
Well, and it's so true that an adult is going to be better able to judge in advance the effect of a decision than an eleven year old also but um but at but at the same time, it's true that just to check in with people and say, "How's this going uh-huh. for you now?" and if somebody verbalizes, you know this is the worst decision I ever made or or even uh-huh. oh, this is not going at all, you know after we had the restaurant for a while, my husband asked me that question. he said, "How's it going with homeschooling uh-huh. and the restaurant?" And I said it's it's not it, either we're gonna either we're gonna get rid of the restaurant or get rid of whole schooling because I can't do both of these things. And he again actually right. found a solution to that, which I've talked about several times on the air. But but what happens is when you don't check back in, when you just mm-hmm. keep going forward, mm-hmm. you're gonna all of a sudden people people will just hit a brick wall, and you you really mm-hmm. will be blindsided by that. Whereas if you just check in with them, and it's a little scary, isn't it? To check in with people because, you know, you might actually hear what they think. <laughs> <laughs> and you may not like <laughs> what they you what you hear. Like. <laughs> right, exactly. But, you know, again, if you're working with a team and the team is in the trenches doing the work, don't you want to know how it's going for them? I mean, that's where that open communication and that, that trusting relationship comes into play. And as a leader, you don't have to go with what they're saying. But if you're not even asking then, I mean, it's like my daughter, when she would say, if they would just ask me, I could help them solve this problem because I'm the one doing this and facing the issues every day. You know, but when we as leaders don't take the time to even ask, then it's like flying blind. And I think the worst, worse than the feeling that you get when you check in and it's not going well is the mm-hmm. feeling you get when your team resigns. <laughs> Yes, That's or the project worse. fails. <laughs> or the project <laughs> fails, right, exactly. Way if your restaurant goes out of business, <laughs> then you've right. waited too long to do that yeah. check-in. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So earlier earlier is worse. better even if it's low painful. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Well, let's, yes. Talk about, let's talk about how to actually move a team from talking about an idea, a great idea that's going to take a lot of work to make it work, but we love the idea. How do you get them from loving the idea to actually doing the work of it? Well, you need a very detailed plan, and uh, you need their buy-in, and you need that accountability along the way. I, I call it functional accountability. You need SMART goals, and SMART is an acrostic for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound if your goals aren't smart to begin with, then you failed before you even get started. But then having that accountability and checking along the way. You know, setting mm-hmm. deadlines doesn't mean anything if you don't follow through and check on those, the progress of those deadlines. So it, that's what I call functional accountability. It's all those things. Huh. So in a, in a setting where we've just um, – okay, so just today – I implemented a partnership a partnership promotion between the restaurant and the store. So uh-huh. the store, this is kind of fun, the store is going to give out coupons for the restaurant to the store customer, uh-huh. and the restaurant is going to give out coupons for the store to the restaurant customer. Uh-huh. And then um, included in this, they are going to, um, they're going to actually initial the coupons that they give out. They can only give out one per hour that they work. And the other the other business is going to keep track of how many are turned in, and then as soon as they hit these certain uh, levels, then they get to draw a winner out of the hat and communicate uh-huh. to each other, you know, who who won like that. 
So it, that accountability is built in that they have they have to tell the other team, you know, how many they received and who won and those kind of things. So there's accountability built in, and it's built in in a fun way, which is what I try to do um, when I have to do accountability for my teams. I try not to make it too in your face because people do get they get intimidated by. Uh-huh. Um, by some forms of accountability. What are some ways that you've found to do accountability without being in your face or overly um, detail-oriented? Well, again, I think asking the team, how would you like to be held accountable in this? Sometimes that is all it takes, is getting, again, getting their buy-in. And that way they're putting their seal of approval I mean, you know, it's uh, the responsibility will fall to you as the team leader or the owner to explain why that accountability is important and to do so in a way that doesn't question their integrity, but, you know, to let them know there's always, you know, one in the bunch that, uh, you know, will or has the potential to make it bad for everybody else. So if we want to be fair and we want to do this the right way in a God-honoring way, then it's uh, it's getting their buy-in to what kind of accountability they feel like is adequate and not overstepping, you know, yeah. and getting their just getting their buy-in for it. Um, yeah. I think you know for for you to determine what that accountability accountability is without asking them is again kind of that um, is taking all the power away from them, and it can lead to resistance. But if they are included in the conversation, then they're going to be more likely to follow through with that accountability in a way that makes everybody happy. Yeah, yeah. And I always think of, as a parent, one of my, one of my uh, main, one of my main practices as a parent was to get out of the bad guy role as often as possible. So, for example, we would have chore charts and, um, you know, mm-hmm. the kids would come and say, uh, can I go out and play? And I would say, well, what does this chore chart say? Uh-huh. <laughs> it isn't done. I'm like, oh, well, as soon as it's done, I'm sure you can. Um, you know, so right. as, as often, even as a leader, as often as you can get yourself out of the bad guy role mm-hmm. and just let, right. us, I mean, time clocks do this all the time for us. Time clocks will mm-hmm. allow the manager not to stand over the staff and say, you were a minute late. You know what I mean? It's right. a clock, but it does the job. And any time we can do that, we want to definitely do that so that in the areas where we actually do have to personally get involved in the accountability process, it's not very often, it's not very intimidating. Right. And here's the other thing. I would encourage you, you know, you talked about the time clock catching them, you know, being late or whatever. Catch them doing a good job as often as possible and reward them for that, whether it's just with praise or, you know, whatever it is, you know, afternoon off or, you know, something, you know, that would mean a lot to them. But catch them in in doing a great job and let them know that you see it and you appreciate it and you reward it. And that's going to help keep your people more accountable as well because they're going to want to please you if they get something great out of it. And sometimes it just means you make me feel good, you know, lifting someone up and saying, wow, you did an excellent job on that. I'm so impressed, is all some people need because they don't get it anywhere else. 
I had a situation uh, recently at the store where I came in, and again, the same employee had done something not the way that it was supposed to be done. And uh-huh. I, I said, I said, my goal here is to figure out how we can make it so that every time I walk in, I'm able to cheer you on instead of correct you. So let's talk uh-huh. about this and let's find a way for us to make sure that we can succeed together. And I think that this whole hour, the theme that I've heard come up more over and over and over is that, and it started with the listening, but that the question is, are you listening with interest and do you really care? And I think Uh that's how it is for a leader. If you're actually going to have a great team, you really have to honestly care about the team members. That's the bottom line. Care and respect. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, Makes you all also the have to get the work done. <laughs> you have to get the work done because that's why you're in the leadership role. If you don't get the work right. done, then they have to have somebody else in the leadership role. So you, there, you know, there's that tension there between those two things. But it's a good tension, and and it's and it's intended for the good of all. So that's great, Mary. This hour has flown by. Wow, <laughs> terrific information here, and so grateful. If people went over to your website, which is marycom c o m m marycom dot com, what are they going to find there? Well, they're going to find uh, more information about me and the different ways that I can help them in their relationships. Relationships impact every area of our lives, at home, uh, at work, in, um, you know, just in our own relationship with ourselves and with our relationship with God. Our relationships, are they define our lives. So I help people in any situation, whether it's at work, at home, with God, with themselves, whatever. You'll find out more about me personally on the website. You'll see the different ways that I can help and see the resources that I have available. I have some books that I've written. Um, There's information there about upcoming offers and events. And uh, it's just a fun website and a great way to get to know me a little bit better and how I can help. Oh, that's great. And I think you you also do speaking, and so you're available for um, that as well, right? And you're over at womensfixes.com too. So that's great. And you guys can go check all that out. Well, Mary, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Marnie. I appreciated it and uh, had a lot of fun. This was great. Good. We we did a lot of laughing today. We did. So that's good. All of us. Okay. All right. Well, you have a great day. And thank you all for being here. We can't have a show without listeners, and it's always so fun to see so many of you come live to the Wednesday afternoon program at Blog Talk Radio and uh, push us right up to the front page every week. So grateful for that. And also, for those of you who host the show on your site using a radio box from Blog Talk Radio, thank you for that. And for those of you who are faithful listeners at other venues, thank you for that. I hope you have a wonderful day, and we will be uh, taking a short break over the holidays now, and then we are going to come back in January with a wonderful lineup for you, so don't miss us then. And until then, have a great week, have a wonderful holiday season, and we'll see you soon.